Hey, make sure you stay with me all the way to the end of this special episode, and I'll let you know how you can claim your free gifts and enter into a drawing for a special prize. Welcome to the Mind Wrench Podcast with your host, Rick Sellover, where minor adjustments produce major improvements in mindset, personal growth, and success. This is the place to be every Monday, where we make small improvements and take positive actions in our business and personal lives that will make a major impact in our success, next level growth, and quality of life. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Mind Wrench Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Salope. Thanks so much for tuning in and spending a few minutes with me today. And if you haven't done so already, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Welcome to the 50th episode of the Mind Wrench Podcast. I'm absolutely thrilled that you're here today to join me for this special celebration. I truly hope you enjoy it. This past year has been quite a journey for me, to say the least. I have learned and grown so much in the past 12 months. From starting off as a rookie podcaster, not knowing what the hell I was doing, I dove in deep to the pool of podcasting knowledge, listening and reading everything I could about building a show, buying equipment and technology after extensive research, learning all about social media and how it connects with podcasting, and then practicing, practicing, practicing. Now here I am, one year later, 50 episodes in, and still don't know what the hell I'm doing. But I'm having a blast doing it, and I have no intentions of stopping or slowing down. I've had massive support from my family and friends and my collision industry network, letting me know how much they really like the show and, and how they appreciate what I'm trying to do to help the industry, as well as the positive feedback from several of the guests I've had on my show. And I've even had several people tell me how much my messages have actually impacted their lives and made a difference. And man, I'm telling you, that's all I need to hear. I think I'm on the right track, and I hope you continue to join me on this ride. I want to say thank you. For those of you that are loyal listeners, I appreciate your support. And for the first time or newer listeners, I hope you find some value in the topics I blend into my show. Well, I knew I wanted to do something a little different for the show, but until a week ago, I really wasn't sure what. So I thought putting together some clips of my favorites and the most popular episodes, a a best of or greatest hits, if you will, So I hope you enjoy this collection of clips, and make sure you stay all the way to the end of the show, and I'll let you know how to claim your free gifts, and also enter into a drawing to win a free coaching session with me. All right, let's get to the show. Uh, Today, I want to talk about uh, what exactly is mindset, how it affects everything in your business, in your personal life, and the three largest factors or influencers of your current and future mindset, and how to design and manage that massive improvements in everything from your health and relationships, uh, more success in your business and your financial goals, to actually enjoying life more and getting more out of it. So what exactly is quote unquote mindset? Uh, Most people really are not sure what that is. Uh, It could mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. So if you look in the dictionary, um, it defines it as one, a mental attitude or inclination Or two, a fixed state of mind. So remember that, fixed state of mind. Uh, Mindset is actually, uh, it's uh, an established set of attitudes held by someone. Your mindset is your collection of thoughts and beliefs that shape your thought habits. Your thought habits affect how you think, what you feel, and what you do. Now the reason I want to discuss mindset is, you know, early on in my career, 
uh, as a gyro salesman in this industry, uh, one thing I quickly realized is the overall mindset of most collision shop owners, managers, operators, and basically most of the technicians was a relatively negative mindset. Most everybody kind of had a bad attitude. Um, and, and, you know, and I think a lot of it is just the way this industry was um, you know, many years ago and just the general feeling you had doing the work that you were doing. Now, there's a lot of folks that took great pride in their craftsmanship and what they did, but they might have worked for a boss that was just you know, grumpy, unhappy, miserable, and in turn would make the whole atmosphere in the shop grumpy, miserable. So, you know, one of the things I learned was um, there was a lot of shop owners that just, you know, did not want to talk to you, did not want to see you, had a very negative, very bitter, I would say, for lack of a better words, attitude towards most everything in their everyday life from what I could see in the shops. And it was horrible. And I was trying to think, well, why, why is it like that? I, I don't get that. And then, you know, as, as I spent more time in this industry and, and, you know, visiting shops on a weekly basis and starting to build relationships, you know, I was starting to see some of the background stuff that was causing them to, you know, to be that way. And, um, you know, a lot of it is, you know, you can't control what happens in life, but you can definitely control how you react to it. And most people in this business, even back, you know, 25, 30 years ago, they had no concept of that, okay? They just assumed, you know, it's it's a crappy day, it's a crappy work, and adjusters treat me like crap, and, and my attitude's going to be crap. And uh, it doesn't have to be like that, and it didn't have to be like that, but that's, you know, that was the reality for most folks. So something I did discover through my, you know, multiple repeated visits with uh, a lot of these uh, shops was over time I built relationship, I provided some value, and, and, and their attitudes and the, and the way we talked changed. So I know it's that time in early January where everybody has either, one, made a few New Year's Eve resolutions that they won't stick to, two, are planning their goals for 2021 because they didn't do that while they had a few days off during the holidays, or three, maybe they're just starting to think about what positive changes they could make in their health or fitness this year. Sound about right? Sound like you? Well, if so, I have something much, much easier to contemplate. Something that could really be the catalyst in making the changes you had in mind. Something you really need to do first. Something that could make everything fall right into place. I have a question for you. Are you a morning person? More commonly referred to as an early riser? That's someone that wakes up anywhere from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. Are you a night owl? Getting up between 10 a.m. and, let's say, noon. If so, why is that? Did you know there's distinct advantages to being a morning person? other than beating the traffic. Oh yeah, big advantages. Better income, increased mental, emotional, and physical health, better quality sleep, better diet. That's just to name a few. In fact, although somewhere between 37 and 44% of all people are considered morning people, as much as 90% of top business executives and over 50% of the world's wealthiest entrepreneurs are early risers, up between 4 and 5 a.m. every workday. Now you may see stars like Mark Wahlberg and Dwayne The Rock Johnson and all those action movies and notice their incredible physiques. I mean, those guys are ripped, right? Then you look a little deeper at the unbelievable number of other things they have going on in their lives besides making movies, like their families, 
other multiple businesses they run, charities and causes they work for, and wonder how they have so much energy. Well, they belong to what we call as a secret gym society called the 4AM or the 5AM club. Like many other professional athletes, business leaders, and entrepreneurs, they get up very early, get to the gym for a full workout every single day, which sets them up for success for the remainder of the day. Now, although you may not like getting out of bed early, maybe you like sleeping in, in fact, maybe you've been a night owl for years, but you can change. You can always change that. And I'll give you a few reasons to consider making that change. So a study done by Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine in Chicago followed 433,000 adults for six and a half years and discovered that night owls had a 10% higher risk of death, twice the risk of psychological disorders, 25% increase in rate of neurological disorders, 23% higher risk of gastrointestinal diseases, and a 22% higher risk of respiratory disease than the early risers. Also, you might want to consider that those that rise between 4 a.m. and 5 a.m. every morning rate themselves as highly productive approximately 70% of the time. The average income for the exact same jobs or positions in their industries of early risers is $15,000 to $20,000 a year more than their late riser counterparts. They're also promoted more often and given higher responsibility or leadership positions as well. Listen, I can tell you from experience, I was a late riser many years ago in my 20s and 30s. Because all the fun and excitement and stuff happening was late at night, right? And we didn't want to miss out on anything, right? I mean, I could party hard all night, stay up really late. But getting out of bed in the morning was tough, difficult. I'd really be dragging through the day, paying the price for my lifestyle. I'm sure many of you can relate. But as I grew and I had kids and slowly changed my sleeping and waking times to accommodate those life changes, I noticed some very positive changes occurring in my personal and professional life. I was feeling better, more healthy, uh, I had a bit more energy when I got going in the morning, had a little bit more pop in my step, and started getting more serious about my work. I started accomplishing more, gaining more clients, making more sales, which resulted in promotions into leadership roles. Hmm, so you mean all I had to do was start getting up earlier, huh? Well, that's not it. That's not a magic wand. But it does give you more time to do things like prepare for the day, uh, exercise, Eat a better breakfast. Hell, eat some breakfast. Do some reading. Learn something. Grow a little bit before you head off to work. Which tends to help you perform better and increase your earning ability. These days, it seems really difficult and inconvenient to find the time to sit down and learn. And with the likes of social media that can be so addictive and time-consuming, you might think to yourself, I don't have time to develop myself. But there's an app I highly recommend that'll help. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is for anyone that cares about learning, but doesn't have a whole lot of time. Blinkist takes the key ideas and insights from over 4,000 nonfiction bestsellers in more than 27 categories and gathers them into 15-minute texts and audio explainer clips called Blinks that help you understand the core ideas of the book. Over 15 million people are already using Blinkist to broaden their knowledge in 27 categories, including self-development, personal growth, management, leadership, mindfulness, and happiness. I've been using Blinkist for over a year now, and I just love it. Anytime I get in the car or go for a walk, I can devour a book or two, no problem. It is super easy to use and extremely convenient. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer. Just go to my website, bricksallover.com, and click on the link for a 7-day free trial of Blinkist and save 20% on your subscription if you decide to stay. Once again, that's 20% off a membership with a 7-day free trial of Blinkist. That's B-I-L-N-K-I-S-T. 
and you can find the link to this offer in my show notes or go to www.ricksalover.com and click the 20% off link at the bottom of my homepage. Hey, today I'm recording from my car as I'm sitting in front of a uh, collision shop right now in the parking lot, and it just uh, brings to mind uh, a subject I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, today we're going to talk about first impressions. And uh, here's a little hint. Uh, first impression of this shop is not very good. Uh, I about lost a tire in the in the parking lot pulling in. I'm looking at the outside of the building. There's paint peeling off the walls. Uh, the sign is old and half lit. And uh, it just doesn't look that appealing on the outside. So have you ever pulled up in the parking lot of a restaurant that you've never visited before? And before you can even open the front door, you've already decided this probably isn't a good choice. Or once inside, the decor, or the way you were greeted, or no greeting at all, makes you turn around, get back to your car, and try somewhere else, so you don't waste your money or your time on another bad meal or a bad dining experience. Now, you have no idea what the actual food is like, right? Their Italian may be the best in town, or their burgers may be out of this world, but you never know because they lost you to a bad first impression. Did you know in all areas of life, not just business, you have approximately seven seconds to make the first right impression. And within that seven seconds, only one-tenth of a second to determine trustworthiness. So obviously, that fast of an impression, feeling, and decision comes through only through our eyes. Now, these facts come from a Harvard study done on communication. In fact, approximately 55% of all first impressions are visual only. Another 38% of first impressions are based on what you say or how you are heard by the other person. That would be vocal, tone, volume, speech pattern, and so on. And only about 7% are the actual words themselves. That means more than half of the first impressions of you or your business are determined even before one word is spoken. Good news is bad first impressions can be overcome with some work. But according to a Harvard study, it can take up to eight positive experiences to bring it back around. Now you may never get that chance if a potential customer leaves your parking lot even before getting out of the car or just scrolls right past your outdated website. But if they do manage to make it to your door and in your door, you'll still have a chance to recover. But to be successful at this, you must have a solid plan or even a SOP, Standard Operating Procedure, for when they enter your shop. Do you know what Jeff Bezos, Oprah, Henry Ford, Sir James Dyson, Thomas Edison, and Fred Smith all have in common? You probably think you know the answer, but you're not 100% sure because, well, who the hell is Fred Smith, right? Well, Fred Smith is the founder of FedEx. Think you know now? Well, if you guess that they're all famous entrepreneurs, that is true, but not the answer. If you guess that they're all extremely successful and achieved massive wealth, right again, but still not it. Now, if you're thinking they all had a major impact on our lives and the world we live in, you're absolutely correct, but you still haven't solved the mystery. The one thing they all have in common, along with many other successful people, some we recognize, some we don't, is that they all took imperfect action towards their goals, towards their big ideas, towards their future, 
They took action. They started before they were 100% ready. They launched their product or service or concept before they had all the details figured out. Ready, go, set. They did not wait until all the studies and data was complete. They did not wait until they had enough money or the right political climate or the perfect product name or company logo or slogan for their business or when they had the right employees or if it was the right timing or not or the blessing and encouragement from their families and friends. They just took action, imperfect action. And they all had failures, setbacks, disappointments. Things didn't go the way they wanted it to. But they did not give up. They did not quit. They fell. They got up, tried again, fell again, got back up again, dusted themselves off and kept going like their gut or their heart told them to and eventually found success. Jeff Bezos, obviously one of the richest men in the world, failed miserably at his first attempt at an online auction site, which evolved into Z-Shops, a brand that ultimately failed. Still, CEO Jeff Bezos would repurpose that idea into what would eventually become Amazon Marketplace. Oprah. Is there anybody that never heard of Oprah? I mean, not even a last name needed. Well, after graduating from college, she took a job at a TV station, but it didn't last long. She was fired shortly after, and a producer dubbed her as unfit for TV. Henry Ford had alienated his investors by taking too long and uh, subsequently lost funding twice. After the second mishap, Ford's reputation in the auto industry was dismal. Most people aren't willing to give somebody a third chance, but Mr. Ford was persistent. He eventually found backing from a foreign investor that wasn't afraid of a little risk. And we all know how that worked out. Sir James Dyson wasn't always a well-known name associated with vacuum cleaners. In fact, it took Sir James Dyson 15 years and all of his savings to develop a bagless prototype that worked. He developed 5,126 prototypes that failed first. Tom Edison. Everybody knows about Edison's 10,000 attempts at the light bulb before he found success, but he also went on to invent several other modern conveniences. And what about old Fred Smith? Well, his story was quite interesting. FedEx faced not one, but two major setbacks. Initially, the multi-billion dollar company was a term project at Yale University. His professor said, The concept is interesting and well-formed, but in order to earn better than a C, the idea must be feasible. That didn't stop Smith, however. He got funding, planes, people, and started operating. Two years in, the company faced high fuel charges and a bunch of debt. At one point, FedEx had $5,000 left. Still believing in his capacity to succeed against all odds, Smith took it to Las Vegas. Talk about imperfect action. And what do you know? He did succeed. He turned $5,000 into $27,000, enough to cover costs for another week. That's about how long it took for him to find another investor. While there are hundreds of other stories of first start failures, fumbles, frustrations, by names we know and more that we don't, people just like you that want to start a new service, add a new process or technology, start a marketing program, make a change in your employee mix, Expand your existing or buy another shop that had the same fears or anxiety of not being 100% ready, but had the courage to take action, to take the leap, to jump out of the plane and grow wings on the way down, to just go. And most stumbled and learned along the way, but at least they were moving forward, failing forward sometimes, but it's always better than standing still, afraid to move, or worse yet, accepting the status quo. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about this subject. I'm a firm believer in the truth behind this mindset. Hey, today I want to talk to you about a subject that we've all struggled with throughout our lives. Some more than others, but I guarantee 
we have all struggled with and will continue to do so at some level, but hopefully I can share my insights and understanding of this tool, and maybe that sharing may help you struggle less going forward. Yes, I did say tool. The more I understand about money, the more I realize it's really nothing more than just a tool. No matter what position you have in your shop, or in your life for that matter, you have a toolbox. Now if you're body, service, or paint tech, you have an actual physical toolbox somewhere in the shop. Some as big as a small SUV with built-in entertainment systems, flat screen TVs, and lighting that may have cost you as much as a small SUV. And then some, like mine, are just old shitty beat-up craftsman boxes from the 80s or 90s. And then some painters may just be working out of something small and simple like a milk crate. But regardless of size or cost, that toolbox is where you store all those necessary gadgets or tools that help you accomplish whatever task you need to complete to reach your objective. In this case, repairing the vehicle in your stall. Now, if you're an estimator, writer, or manager, your toolbox may be your desk or mobile estimating cart, but the same concept still applies. You keep everything you need there to accomplish your tasks and objectives. Now, if you're the shop or business owner or an entrepreneur, your toolbox may be more of a mental storage space than a physical one, or maybe some digital files on your laptop or maybe in the cloud. But still, it's the place where you keep all your tools to help you complete your objectives, right? And for the rest of us that may not be in the auto service industry, we still have our own toolbox that we've built over the years, filled with our tools, you know, all the skills, the talents, the strategies and tactics we use every day to accomplish our objectives too. So money, in its actual capacity, when you strip away all the misconceptions, incorrect theories, bullshit ideas, and limited learnings about it, is really just a tool. Plain and simple, a tool. So why don't we think about it that way? I mean, when you get right down to it, money is something that helps us complete our tasks and objectives, right? It certainly should be part of every one of our toolboxes. Wouldn't you agree? Not sure what I mean? That's okay. I'll try to explain from my perspective which would also be echoed by many successful financial leaders like Robert Kiyosaki, Tony Robbins, Warren Buffett, and several others. Exactly why that is. So if you're, say, maybe 40 to 45 years old or older, chances are your grandparents or great-grandparents were greatly affected by the Great Depression of 1929. So what they taught your parents about money was very limited, and they in turn passed those same beliefs down to you and probably consisted of one or more of the following concepts. Scarcity. Money is hard to come by. There's just not much of it available for you. Money can only be had by working very, very hard. Save what money you make. Don't spend it. Put it in the bank. Don't take any risks with your hard-earned money, or you'll never be rich. That's for other people. Now, if I missed any, let me know, but I didn't even get that much from my dad. He just basically said, yeah, it's tough out there. Great, thanks for the advice, Pops. There was no education on money, wealth, investments, or real estate going through school. And we had no training or education on the home front. So most of us just got out there as soon as we could. Hell, I had a paper out at 12. Lied about my age at 14 to start a job in a restaurant and start working. Hard. And have never slowed down since. I didn't know anything else about money for such a long time. I just kept working and working, thinking someday... I'll work hard enough and long enough, maybe I'll get to retire. Or as our parents would tell us, get a job with a pension, then after 30 years you can retire and the government will take care of you. Well, what a crock of shit that turned out to be. But along the way I've learned or come to realize a few things. 
not just from working my ass off for the last 45 years, but also from studying others, from reading books written by others that have been successful, and listen to educational tapes, CDs, and podcasts. Money is not a goal or a destination. Money is not just for other people, you know, the lucky, the privileged, our elected officials. Money is not scarce. It is wildly abundant in our world. There is more than enough for everyone. Money is not bad or the root of all evil or whatever bullshit saying people without money usually say. Money does not buy happiness. Happiness is an emotion. It is within your mindset. You can be extremely happy about money. There are millionaires and billionaires that are absolutely miserable, lonely, no family or friends, depressed, with no love or happiness in their hearts, but a lot of freaking cash. Although money cannot buy happiness, if I'm miserable, I think I'd rather be miserable with a lot of cash on hand, wouldn't you? Money does not make you rich. People can be rich in relationships, rich in spirituality, rich in inner peace, or rich in physical health, rich in making an impact through service to others without having much actual money. Being rich and being wealthy are two very different things. Being rich is more of a state of mind, an attitude you hold in your spirit or your heart. You can be rich without money, but you absolutely need money for wealth. Wealth is a position of financial freedom, of independence, of power or ability to live your life exactly to your standards, desires, and direction. Wealth can allow you to serve others at whatever level you wish to. Wealth gives you complete control over your life. You're not a player on somebody else's team. You're wearing a jersey with your damn name on it, not someone else's. Money is not to be saved, stuck away in some low-interest savings account, checking account, or CD, or buried in mason jars out in the back 40. Money is a tool. Well, that's all I had for you today. I hope you found something helpful in today's message that you can take back to your business or back home and immediately put into action and start making a positive difference in your professional or personal life. If you like this episode, please, please, please go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and rate it, share it, and leave a review. When you share this podcast with others, that's how we grow. And when the show grows, I can serve more people with my messages. I appreciate you, and I hope you have an awesome and productive week. I can always be reached at www.ricksillover.com, where you can find all my social media links, podcast episodes, blog posts, and much more. All right, congrats. You stayed all the way through to the end. Thank you for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed it. Now it's time to claim your free gifts. I'm giving away my official first edition Mind Wrench 11 ounce ceramic coffee mug branded with the Mind Wrench logo, free, including shipping, to the first 25 listeners that follow or subscribe, rate and review, and share that podcast with their friends. Just take a screenshot and share it with your friends or your tribe. Tag me at Mind Wrench Podcast on Instagram or at Rick Silver on Facebook. Along with the coffee mug, I'll also send my unstoppable morning routine and my social media resource guides. This will also register you for a chance to win a free coaching call with me. The winner will be announced on my September 13th podcast, so make sure not to miss it. (laughs) 